0: This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we
1: face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in
0: missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both
1: in our first lead
0: role. Help God revitalize the existing church
1: in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out. Acts 20.28. Well,
0: hey, TJ, here we are back again. I know some of our audience might have wondered if we were going to do a second season. We've had kind of a longer break than we had planned, but... Here we are starting off uh, season two of the podcast, and so it has been a crazy season, and I know we've had to reschedule several times on getting back here, but it's good to see you.
1: Yeah, it's good to be seen. <laughs> no, it's good to, good to be back and, uh, you know, be catching up, because I think that there's some things as we continue to walk through the fellowship, right, of the church and whether we serve in different congregations. Uh bigger C church in the sense of, um, you know, iron sharpens iron, having the conversation, talking through things, even if you come from a different perspective or a different viewpoint, as we were talking before we got on the air, um, man, it, it, there's a value add to that. And so I hope that, uh, not only for our personal sakes, but for those that we serve, um, that we're better for it, as well as those that tune in and, uh, pay attention to this, of course.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, just as you were referring to, there was a couple times through the summer that our paths crossed in some different ways. We were together uh, in Denver for our, the Church of God uh, convention, right? So we were there, and and again, just some of the different topics and things that came up there opened up some different conversations and uh, deeper conversations, which was what we were talking about earlier before we started recording. And uh, but that's completely for a different time. But it was it was cool to be to hang out together. We got to eat some meals together and be in person, which is not uh, always happens very often with us since we are in differing states and stuff, but, but also, um, a couple of my, my two oldest boys went up with a youth group for my church. They went on a mission trip to your church. And, uh, so you got to hang out with them for a little bit too. And, and I know that was a, a fun experience for them. And I, I think this is same from your side, probably a little different perspective as we talked about. Right. But
1: yeah, I mean, I think it was good. I think, You know, being familiar with both sides of the equation, at least, you know, us just moving in the last year and a half from Idaho and um, then what we're experiencing here in Seattle, I think that it's good um, from both sides, you know, for us to remember, like, I think because we are in such a liberal, um, cutting edge element of that, I think one of the concerns that I would have would be uh, being desensitized, right? I mean, that could be a reality of where I'm at, that everything, um, is not necessarily compromised or acceptable, but your perceived reality, as we talked about just at the beginning here, is is different than other people's. And so like for your kids to see that, um, and like I tell most groups, when they come off the mission field, um, don't let the experience fade with the suntan. And even though you identify the need when you're on the trip, more often than not, the cure takes place when you get home. And so I hope that, those encouragement and, and those things, what they took in, what they were able to see, um, allowed them to not only grow deeper in their faith, but it allowed them to take ownership in those things and maybe ways that they can um, help their community in a meaningful way because they've had that experience. And, you know, again, we've talked about this as, as educators or, or people that communicate the gospel, it's oftentimes, how do we present a new filter for people to see? Uh, something maybe they didn't see. And I think uh, that's really what parables and what Jesus did. You know, I just got done preaching this past Sunday on, uh, you know, how he appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they didn't even recognize that God was with them, but he went through from Moses in the old Testament and really um, revealing the Messiah to come, which was his story. But, you know, he kind of comes in incognito and is like, uh, so what are you guys talking about? And they're like, uh, are you the only person that doesn't know what's going on? Like this Messiah, this prophet died. And so to hear those perspectives again, um, in that point, Jesus gets to hear that from, you know, the disciples, uh, what their take on that was. But uh, yeah, you know, I think really having those moments where we can have an intersection um, and, and our faith grows and you have a deeper authentic relationship. Obviously those guys were uh, Jesus followers, but that was also a moment where they got to spend time with him. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to season two, uh, some tricks up our sleeve, some new things, some new people that will join us, uh, you know, maybe even as interviews. So stay tuned. There's a lot.
0: (laughs) So yeah, definitely. And, and again, through this break, we've had some conversations about what we want to see different in season two and some stuff we're going to move on. And also we talked about some things we definitely don't want to change. And so again, one of the things I think we've reached agreed on is we want it to stay very relevant and just real life. And so again, as we look at that, just the busyness craziness of summer and families and churches and, and just everything going on in our world. Uh, you know, again, we, we took a longer break than planned to, right? Just because of that. So, as we're, But as we start off season two, one of the big changes is we are uh, going to be posting the video on YouTube. And so we have just been doing audio. So... Change for season two is, uh, again, if you're listening to this on any other platform, just look up our YouTube channel and then you can see what we look like if you don't even know what we look like, right? But uh, but definitely we are going to be posting the video of it. And so, uh, again, it'll be the same on all the platforms, even on YouTube, but you can watch us sit at our computers, right, if you want to do that. Uh, but, again, just as we said at the end of season one, we'd love to hear from you to know how the podcast has helped you. And uh, if you have certain things you do want us to talk about, address or certain people interview. And like you say, we've got some other people lined up this year, uh, for this season that we hope are going to be some valuable interviews. And, uh, and again, it'll just be, I am also looking forward to season two. So, so as we jump into today, I think back into everything we've been doing. One is just, Uh, just to sign of set the context of where we are, we are at the end of summer. And so our intention was to take a month or so off in the summer and kind of regroup. And we know it's a busy time, but now we're at the end of the summer and literally for us, at least for me, like today, was the first day of school. So I sent all my kids back off. It was kind of our regular kind of back into what, what we remember as the regular morning schedule, right. Of getting everybody out the door on time, which some days happens better than others. But so today was the first day of school for us. Um, when, when school starting for you guys,
1: uh, we're actually the later part of August and we're private school. So public schools don't start till actually in September here.
0: Yeah. So again, they are kind of different all over the place, but again, in that, as we're in that, when we've talked about COVID on this, on, on the podcast in season one and how we dealt with it, but also we're watching right now as, uh, that Delta variant is just rising them up again and numbers are climbing and they just, everything seems to be changing again. And so again, I'm sure that's something we're going to be addressing as we work through the season as well, just how we continue to, to deal with those different restrictions and uh, perspectives and attitudes, you know, around the pandemic as well. For sure. But today though, you know, and again, and that which kind of leads us into our topic that we had planned to talk about today, because I think this is, and that is just tough conversations. Um, And something that we kind of rose up here because I think especially in a revitalization project in an existing church context um, in in that is that's kind of one of the, I guess, maybe first steps is just you have a lot of conversations and not all of those conversations are easy ones. And, And now, again, coming in as part of this break, too, for you, DJ, was that you had your installation service which we kind of joked about was kind of, kind of silly, you know, and thinking about that you've been there a year and a half before you had your installation service. So, but, but yeah, but you did have it. And I think in that to say, is it, there was value to that. And I think we can, so I, I guess that's the question is, was there value for you? Why did you decide to do it? Even though it was a year and a half after you started as the pastor at Fairview?
1: Yeah. So from a standpoint of like logistics, obviously I think we all know that it didn't change our calling. It didn't change our ministry. Like during the pandemic, we didn't take breaks to say, Oh, (laughs) we're not, we haven't been installed yet. And, you know, I mean, along the way people like, you know, had, had jokes of installation. Is that going to hurt? And um, you know, like the reality is, is No, it was the value add that you were, you were talking about was, um, from some of our congregation, like they really see this as being a commitment, right. Uh, On both sides. And i talked about it in, in the context of, um, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Right. Like it's kind of like a marriage thing for them. And for some people they felt like, because we hadn't made that formality happen, um, that magically, maybe I didn't take it serious. And I know that they got that, but maybe that um, we didn't say I do. So maybe I thought that I could leave during the pandemic. Of course, that was not ever the case really in question. We didn't move our family from Idaho and do those things for that. But you got to remember, and those that you're serving, that that may be their perspective. And that was a real thing. So, you know, I mean, like, biblically speaking, if it causes... My brother or sister for that matter to stumble uh then you know we should do it but i saw it from that standpoint not being about myself i really struggled with that element but it yeah. being a springboard for our church and then the way that we chose to do it also um, there's a unique piece that's here one of our season one guests was jim lyon who's the general director for church of god um We had him come and he was able to help do that service for us. And um, it was really great because in the historic landscape here, and we're talking about uh, established churches, this building established now, it goes back, I think I was, like I said, at the, I think I'm the 23rd pastor and it goes back to like 1903. And actually they can, Jim can date back further than that, I think, uh, to the North shore of Green Lake. Before the head of building, but um, at least as we celebrate on our wall, we have a heritage wall that has pastors. I think I'm now number twenty three. But Jim was the senior pastor here at this congregation when they left what was Woodland Park Church of God, uh, located a little bit further south than our current location, Um, and we became Fairview Church of God, which is uh, in the Fairview building uh, that was an elementary school. So. Historically, in passing the torch and having um, that heritage, that legacy, some of the good things and seeing them for for, for the positive element was um, credibility, that there are different generations that are pulling in the same direction. And instead of recreating the wheel, I get the opportunity to come and stand on the shoulders of the people that have come before me, you know, those 22 other pastors that have served. And so from that standpoint, it wasn't, you know, the jokey matter. It was uh, a formal thing that really was of significance and that carried weight that was was there. And so, um, you know, it was good. Uh, we coincided with a family reunion that I had here in Seattle. And so, uh, you know, it was fun to have. I think we had about 150 of my family members that were in attendance, wow. uh, which is, you know, a decent boost for for those things. And keep in mind, that is only from, uh, my aunts and uncles. So for my dad's siblings down, they now are starting to go multiple generations, uh, you know, to keep this on point for a biblical podcast, they took that piece of, uh, being fruitful and multiply to a whole nother level. And yeah, so no kidding. <laughs> we, we have a ton of them. We had our shirts, we had a lot of those things. And it was really good again, to use the marriage analogy to marry, um, my cultural family that I was born into with my church family where we're serving, uh, under the same thing. And we got to have lunch and, and, you know, shout out to my family. Um, you know, my brother and my parents and all those that made that day, um, you know, a reality. So they, like we were talking before, we had salmon and chicken and, and all these different things, uh, traditional food, some in there as well, but we had some things that, oh man, that was like bigger than, uh, some people's, you know, reception again with the wedding theme. So it was, it was really cool. It was really fun. And I think that when you do those type of events, when you have an installation um, those things are really important because uh, they get a chance to, uh, you know, tie together some loose ends or maybe bring together a unified perspective for those people that whether there's new people that inevitably have come in the year and a half, in the 18 months that we've been here, or those that predated that time that were already here and called this their church home, they also now have a unified vision in the sense of, oh, this is our pastor, this is his family, these are the significance. So I think if done well, um, it's good, but man, we could, we could make that same parallel and go off on a rabbit trail about, you know, Sadducee Pharisees and intent and all those kinds of things. But I think, um, yeah, I was grateful for it at the end of it. I was tired. It also as a byproduct, because we had the family reunion that started on Thursday night, it felt like a rehearsal dinner and all those things. It felt like a wedding. So I, I also yeah. needed a break when you're talking about that busyness.
0: Well, I think again, when you think about that and the, the formality of it, and I think that's something that And we brought up and you think about, but I think that is something you have to consider in an established church and especially in a revitalization type of situation, because you do have those people that will value those formal ceremonies and those, you know, the titles. And again, the installation service, you know, whatever that might be. And and, and yet um, you need to, no matter what your personality or perspective, like I said, because some people really put a lot of value in that formality right? And those ceremonies, and some people don't. And again, it's, it's kind of a personality trait and some different things. And just as we talked before, I'd say like, again, I did not have an installation service at Oregon Trail. And when we came again, part of it, I the big reason why too, is because I mean, they asked me, they're like, Hey, do you want to do this? And I'm just like, you know what, like, not really. And, and, and a big one part of my personality is I'm not a super formal person. And so, you know, I just don't put a lot of credence in in titles or positions or ceremonies and i think especially when it's about me and just because it's not you know I, I don't want it to be about me and and i think that's one of the things i think i mean every believer especially pastor in some way struggles with in that you know again it's it's about god it's not about me and i don't want the spotlight on me but at the same time i am the leader and so you know this you need the spotlight in some some ways and context and so I think that's something, again, there is value there. But like I said, we did not do one at Oregon Trail for me. And I know that, like I said, they even came to me a couple months in and were like, well, should we do this? And I'm like, I, you know what? Honestly, I don't really care. And, you know, and, and they didn't either. And so we didn't and we just moved on. Um, but I think that does segue though, like you say, into this bigger topic of tough conversations. Because I do remember though, there was a point where a couple of the tough conversations I had to have with people in the church was when, you know, cause uh, when I had to sit down with them and be like, okay, realize like I am no longer the new pastor. Right. And so you can't blame what you don't like or these changes or well, just the new pastor did this <laughs> uh, It's like, you know, again, I had to have that, that tough conversation with a couple of people and realizing Hey, just realize like, Hey, I've been here two years. Like I'm not the new pastor anymore. Like I am the pastor. And, and in some ways, I think those tough conversations could have maybe be, pre- had been preempted a little bit. Had we gone through some of those formal, you know, installation service type of rites of passage, you know, officially passing the ta- and those kinds of things, you know, might help you avoid some of those awkward conversations.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I think that that was the case. And I think, you know, for some people, they, they need that. And I think, you know, uh, I think we would encourage some of those things. I mean, you could extrapolate out a bunch of, you know, how many people are going to show up at our church that say, um, from a formality standpoint, well, we're common law married, we don't need to be married, you know, using the marriage analogy again. And, um, you know, so I mean, I think that there's things that, you know, again, we're talking about things that are non-negotiables we're talking triune god those we're not questioning any of those things but there are some of those things i think in the spirit of even the movement at which we're serving under with the church of god is in nature with daniel Sidney warner ds warner we had these things that were in a terminology that were called come outers um, in this holiness movement that also saw a lot of people get caught up and and this is part of it and I'm not blaming anyone I'm just surveying the landscape when I say this is the denominational divide that separated and segregated the church as a whole like from different you know people and backgrounds and different things so when you look at it and you're having difficult conversations as people did and which created fractures um yeah you see a lot of those things so I don't make light of those. I just know that historically, because we have a different interpretation or observation or application, not to get into Bible study method, but like when we see those things, sometimes um, it's created people an opportunity where they say, you know what, I'm gonna take my ball and I'm gonna go home. So we have to understand, we have to have some self-awareness. And for you, sounds like it worked and, and it was there. For me, it also worked um, but like I told our congregation, um prior to you know this happening, I wasn't any more or any less their pastor from my standpoint. I didn't take a break, I wasn't just sitting there. So rest assured that for for everyone, we were able to uh come to an agreement where I think everybody was honored. I'm super grateful for Jim to come out too to, to be a part of that day and to uh, you know someone that's busy to to lend that. Uh, And that he cares because I think, you know, I think, you know, as we have difficult conversations as we talk about this, I think one of the things to kind of start that conversation is if people know you or they know that you care, that is going to help a critical conversation go a lot better. Because if, you know, even if that's with our kids or, or otherwise, if they know that dad cares and there's an investment. Some people say collateral or change in the pocket is another way to say that. If they know your heart, then even though you might not see eye to eye on a circumstance or in a moment, they can usually regain perspective by saying, yeah, but I know that person, I know their heart, and they don't mean it that way if I'm taking it that way. Because we've all been on the other side of a conversation where – someone says something. And as you opened up, now we're doing it with videos. So now you can actually see, um, y- our reaction. Um, but you know, when you just have like an email or you have text, and nowadays the, the new craze is abbreviations. And I feel like I constantly have to look up what does that mean? And even under an abbreviation, there's like five variations. So then I have to sort through, was that the one that they meant? Um, And so like just having a conversation where it's face to face um, and I know we're going to jump into some scripture here. You, you help lay some of those out, but you know, like Matthew 18 and and stuff like that. If you have a a conflict and that's where you start, you go, you have the conversation. Yeah, I think as we get into this, like having, having a, an offline conversation with somebody else, the, the term misery loves company. And and as leaders of churches, man, if you have an issue, man, go to your pastor, have a conversation. And that was part of what, uh, you know, I appreciate about my installation to tie that back in was Jim said, you know, this is your pastor and you need to be able to allow him to help lead and guide. You know, he talked about a sermon that he spoke on one time and there was people that were having critical conversations. and, And I don't know if this is kind of what you were alluding to, but there was people that were great people, part of his congregation, part of his family, right? And and they were from various walks of life. Some were attorneys, some were doctors, some were teachers of, uh, you know, like uh, school. And, and he got up one Sunday and, and tongue in cheek kind of said, you know, I appreciate all of you telling me how to do this. And in fact, um, I'm going to swing by and I'm going to help you, uh, you know, to do your job better as a doctor. And, and as a lawyer, I have a few things that I'd like to tell you to, to get right. And, and as a teacher, I think you really should communicate this. And his point was, you know, the pastor is called and he, and he talked about the shepherd element of that. And, you know, he went through Psalm 23, um, you know, from the standpoint, we use that a lot with, uh, you know, having funerals and stuff, but he was talking about, um, that the shepherd's job is to protect the prayer table in the midst of the enemies and, and those kinds of things and that allow the pastor to be the pastor now don't stand for it if, if your pastor is crazy like you said if, if I start you know um, in Seattle I don't know and I'm not trying to make light of it but if I start doing things to the communion to spike it or do something just outlandish then you need to pull the cart like this is enough, yeah. enough. But if, if there's things where a pastor is trying to move you forward, again, this applies to those that are in an established church, there's going to be some change. And, and I'm not just saying golden cab moments. I'm just saying insanity is to do the same thing but expect a different outcome, right? So there's going to be some things, including where God leads you. And like that story I talked about, we might not understand that we're actually having a conversation with God, like on that road to miss don't ever dismiss the fact that God isn't with us and that he loves us. He desires us and he's having the conversation. And so, yeah, I'm i I'm gonna let you jump in and I know you had some verses and stuff, but, uh, yeah, kind of passionate. Yeah. obviously.
0: No, but, but I think to that point is I think if, like you said, whether you have an installation service or not, right. Is if you are leading a church, especially an established church, especially in a, in a revitalization type of context, um, you are going to have hard conversations and that that's just part of being a leader, right. Is, is, and, and again, leading people means you're taking them somewhere that they haven't been or that they they need to go. And and some will go very willingly. And some people don't. And, you know, one of the things that, that I heard from a mentor early on in, in, in my ministry, which, which has really helped me a lot is to say that, Um, that, you know, the, until the emotions are resolved, the facts don't matter. Right. And, and when you think about that, especially put it in the context of a church situation, like you said, and the change that comes, you know, one of the things that I said, I literally said it in my sermon this last Sunday is the only thing, you know, that nobody likes change, right. But yet the only thing that doesn't change is the fact that everything's always changing. And, and so again, nobody likes change, but yet we also need change. Right. And like you said, to go anywhere new, to, 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 to have a church, you know, move into a new season or new progression, like it, it, ha- things have to change. And yet one of the things that I realized, and especially in a lot of those tough conversations that came up, especially in the first couple of years, I was at Oregon trail, you know, was realizing that, um, was that people knew. And again, even through the interview process, the first part, you know, and, and I asked them, you know, like, well, what, you know, what do you want in the church? And again, well, we, we wanted to grow, we want to reach young families. We want to do these kind of things. And it's like, and, and again, they knew that they needed to change in order to accomplish those things. But yet once it started to actually happen, right, they had to live through those emotions all over again of, of processing that. and, and and again, they they knew the right answer in their mind and on paper what needed to happen and and the sacrifices that needed to be made in order to reach new families and and, and you know help the church grow and, and and get back on mission and kind of all those things. And yet then though it, it had to um even though they knew it was the right thing, that those those changes still hurt, right? And they still went through those emotions of loss or of those, those memory, you know, or whatever. And, and those conversations come up, well, well, we've never done it that way before. And it's like, you're right. We haven't, which is exactly why I'm here, right. Is to do something that we haven't done before and to move us in a new direction. And so again, I remember, and I will tell you as we think about hard conversations and, and those that come as a leader, is is, and I, I I've told this to many people. So again, those in my church that are around, you know, aren't, won't be surprised if they listen to this episode, but I'll say is I had more hard conversations in my first two years at Oregon trail than I had in my entire life and ministry career up before that point. I mean, it just felt like there was a hard conversation around every corner. And, and that, and that was a, that was a tough season. That was a hot, kind of even a discouraging time as a leader, Right to do that, and even in the back of my mind, right, of wondering every time I go into one of those conversations, of well, um, we might have, you know, are these people going to leave? Right, and in fact, I was literally kind of uh, um, almost afraid to open my email sometimes, right, or to answer the phone, of just thinking like, man, well, there's another family that's going to move on from Oregon Trail, you know, and and like that was always in the back of my mind of like boy, I, I mean, I again, I feel the call. I feel like we're moving in a good direction. We see God's blessing in many things, but man, I don't know if I can handle another tough conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say this, and I kind of shared this piece. Uh, I shared this with you because your group was here. But I think that there's also, you know, we we talk about the spiritual element of it. And, and there can be, Oh man, and I can say that this has been difficult for me. Anytime we've tried to make a way um, in Seattle, it is immediately hit with adversity. Now, when I point those things out, I can also then, after the fact, point out where indeed God uh, showed up and showed out and made a way. But in the midst of it, Man, I, I mean, in inception, you know, go back a year and a half. We got here in February. Three weeks later, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is shut down. You know, I mean, we, we came to a church and we had that. What people didn't know was, uh, honestly, for us, we had thought about if we were going to take the church, um, do we wait till spring break because that would be a little bit less uh, harder on our kids or even to summertime to then come and and make that transition easier well if we would have waited we probably maybe wouldn't have come you know i don't know what would have happened um we get here that happens you know uh, we've had uh, we lost our child center director in about that same period within the first month and um you know we just we had some really difficult things and now in the spiritual side of it i um I almost expect something to, to happen here when we do that. And, and I don't say that from a flipping or, or a negative standpoint, but I know that that's almost a barometer that um, we're not being lukewarm that we're yeah. trying to do something because I don't think, you know, Satan's going to mess with someone uh, that's just sitting there as a bump on a log or being lukewarm. So I think, when you have some of those things now that doesn't become an anthem again part of this whole thing especially is from a leader standpoint is your connectivity to god so you can you can you can understand it um and it's grounded in biblical truth uh but like for me i mean just corny little things uh also like when i when i try to do stuff i was talking about your you had your um one of your elders here that helped lead the, the trip and Lee got hit five times by five bee stings. It was in the ground. It was under Ivy. We're clearing off the hillside and brush. I got hit one time on my foot and like my foot swelled up something fierce. Uh, you know, it looked like a club. Um, in fact, now (laughs) I found out that I've got to like, I'm like one step away that the lady actually, the doctor recommended, she said, you should probably have an EpiPen. Um, because if it hit you in your neck or something the way you swelled up that's not a good thing and so like that was one of the things going into the week for the installation and your guys wrapping up your trip it's like anytime something like that happens we had this past wednesday we had our biggest i'm on the maple leaf community council for our community and serving we had like three thousand people come through the park for an ice cream social like i've never been to it i don't know what's happening and, uh, I'm like one of the more able-bodied to run and get some things done and lift the chairs. And we brought like 14 chairs and 28 tables from the church. And, you know, there's one way I could help out and we're offloading the chairs and lo and behold, I got smacked right in the middle of the forehead with a, with a table. And I'm like bleeding and it's dripping down. And like, I don't want to put the bandaid on my head because nobody wants to have that conversation over and over again of what happened yeah. your What'd head? you do. Yeah. But, but then the only thing that trumps that is like people freaking out because you have blood running down your face. No one wants <laughs> to interact with you anyway. So yeah. I put it on. Thankfully, a little bit later, my kids went and got a hat for me because we live right next to the park and I was able to put it on. Then I could stop the questions. But it's things like that. Just every time I feel like we're going to do something or feels good, like it could be just something as, as mundane and maybe I'm making too much of that. But this has been the time where, man, anytime you set forth to do God's work or anytime you accept the role, like as a leader, going from a number two to a number one, the bullseye becomes bigger and Satan wants to see nothing more than you as a leader, even as a lay leader, that's maybe leading a Sunday school class in the fall. And, you know, I think that's another part that, you know, we didn't intend to talk about, but with hard conversations, remembering where people come through, you know, we, we serve as a child center right here. And, it's very easy if we had a structured event, like to have a, a teacher say, well, you didn't get them here in time. But wh- what they might not notice is that mom, just to get out that day, and we can all probably relate, the baby probably had them dressed in an outfit, and they either slung their breakfast on it or had some blowout diaper, and they had to change and yeah. And just to get in that day was a struggle. And so, like, I think sometimes a little bit of grace in those conversations, like you said, that emotions uh, let them subside. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I mean, I feel like that's like something that Gary Moore would have told me, but um, anyhow, there's, there's those things that they're really, they're really true. And, and I mean, I think we learned that even without biblical principles, without chapter and verse that, you know, we learn as a kid, count to 10, take a walk. Like some of those yeah. things, like, I know I'm not the best version of myself. Like, when I'm at like whatever that, that meter's at when it's there. So yeah, I think that's a very astute point to, to bring up.
0: Yeah. You know, and actually now you say that, I think it was Gary Moore that actually said that. So um, yeah. So again, we will give credit where credit's due. Right. He, he was a, yeah, again, he's a, he's a, a wise man and a, and a good leader and uh, definitely, you know, has played off that and, Um, And again, now he does a lot of marriage stuff. So again, I know we've, we've mentioned that before, but, and again, those emotions and tough conversations obviously happen in marriages as well. And it seems like we always end up talking about marriage in this episode, I guess. But, um, but with that said, as I think, again, as we think about these concepts, we've talked about one, as we said, right. Face-to-face conversations are are much more important. If it's going to be a tough conversation, make sure it's face-to-face. Right. Um again, think about the emotions of that person, the perspective that they're bringing, coming into that situation. Um it, you know, I just in, in that, and then just as you said, right, is is keeping that right perspective, keeping the the focus and and on on looking at the where we're headed, right? And and that that, that is our call and ultimately. Like I said, I remember talking with somebody, um, you know, different people, as I, like you said, moving from number two to number one, which was uh, the same move that both of us made, right. Literally out of the same office. And, and, and now with that is again, people say, "So well, so what's so different? And I said, you know, like I said, just everything you said is true. The target's bigger, the all is, you know, you don't, you don't understand the weight of the lead pastor until you're in that seat and you're doing that. But, but one of the things that, that I think came through, I said, one of the hardest things about being a senior pastor. A lead pastor, it, all those kind of things. is not just the tough conversations, but it's making decisions that you know are right that are also going to hurt people that you care about, mm. yeah. right? And and again, I like I know this is the right decision, but I also know that this person is going to be devastated, right, by that decision. And, and I care about that person. And like I said, I, and I think so one of the lies, I think they can easily come into tough conversations is, well, you, you know, again, you made this because you don't like me, right. Or you're just, you know, or you have this agenda against my, you know, whatever, right. My passion project or my ministry that I've done forever or whatever it might be. And, and the reality is if for most, I mean, and I, I don't want to paint with a super broad brush to say it's everybody, but I would say for the most part is that, you know, people aren't doing it to spite anybody, right? I mean, they're, they're making decisions because, you know, and changes and whatever that might be, because it is the way that God's leading them. Right. And it might be the best thing to do, but that's the hardest part usually about leading anything, especially a church through a season of change, right. Is making decisions that, you know, are right on paper, you know, they're hundred percent right, but yet, but it, they're going to affect people you care about. And that's,
1: that, that's very hard yeah but you know i mean truth is truth right and that's the hard part and so that's where again talking about those things of being uh, biblically uh based and rooted and and i know one of the ones you talked about was like galatians 110 and seeing paul i'll read it yeah please am i not trying to win the approval of men or of god or am i trying to please men If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that's Paul, obviously at that point.
0: Yeah. So again, thanks for reading that. And like I said, I brought that verse because this verse has become one of my life verses. right? I think especially through this season, especially of being a lead pastor is I constantly had to go back to this verse and realize again, at the end of the day, like it, if I made I have to stand before God and give account for the decisions that I've made, you know, as a lead pastor. Right. And and again, I'm in this position and you're in your position of leadership because God puts you there. Right. And and again, no matter what that role is, whether you're the lead pastor, whether you're the chairman of the board or or you know, a lay leader servant or whatever it is, like you are where you are in the church and the role you have because God puts you there and God needs you to accomplish what you need to do. And and at the end of the day, I had to come back to this verse and realize I am ultimately accountable to God. Right. For what, what happens at this church. Right. And, and for how that, and so I, I, I need to have those hard conversations. Right. And that's kind of one of the things that, um, again, that we see throughout scripture. And I think when he, especially in a lot of old Testament leaders, but strong leaders, and again, even New Testament ones, I mean, the apostles, I mean, even, you know, we brought up Paul, look at this, is a lot of them, like, they ran at the problem, right? They didn't avoid it. And, and it was something that they just, um, again, they had to run, you know, run, address it. And like, and I think that's one of the the things, again, as we talk about tough conversations, I think we need to pull out is that you need to schedule the appointment and have the conversation, right? We, you know, we can't avoid it. We can't, and it's not just going to go away. In fact, it'll likely probably get worse if you put it off.
1: Right. And and again, part of that context, and, and, and Paul is talking to Galatia here, right? Like the church. And it's, they're on a dangerous, slippery slope. Like he's got to address it or it's going to perpetuate it. And so like some of these things, like you, you also have to come in with that mentality of knowing that this might be a cultural thing that they are completely unaware of like, they might not even have the framework, the context, they might not even understand that this is normal. And so, like, you know, we talk about at great length of, you know, you have this youth background, but I'll talk about it from a cultural standpoint, too, from a mission standpoint is, like, think about that. I mean, and this is from a different part, as Paul's traveling through these different areas. You're trying to tell somebody to give up something, maybe even that's been sacred to them, that's been valuable to them, that's been passed down for generations. In fact, it might be the thing that they have held closer than anything, but what you're asking them to replace it with is not something of me, but as Paul's saying, there is Christ. And that is the ultimate part. And that is where like we rally behind things to go back to church of God. Jesus is the subject, right? So, like Yes, absolutely. If- if this is the point that we are making, it's not for me, it's not for those things, and where you were saying you find some solace in the fact that if that is who you are serving at the end of the day, even though you know it doesn't make you popular, um, then that's one way to know how do I make the right decision, because if you err on that side of what God's word says in this instance of Galatians 1.10, but also um, where that Holy Spirit is prompting you, see, there's like when Jesus left us, he gave us a couple of things. He said, I'm going to give you um, a person. You know, he's talking to the triune God. He's going to give you the Holy spirit. So being in contact and fellowship with Him, Then we also have the early church establishing there. So we see fellowship amongst believers, AKA the church, right? So being surrounding yourself with like minded people, having the Holy spirit. And the other thing he left us was his word. And so It's true. It's relevant. And so like, those would be three things that I would look at is you're going through these and you're having these conversations. What does God's word say? How do you, you know, if you get counsel from those, from us, we have the benefit of we have uh, systems in place, usually elders and those things that we could vet the process before um, we have the conversation, make the appointment, as you said, and um, then being rooted in God's word, what does God's word say about it? Because at the end of the day, even if it's not a popular situation, if we believe that that is God's word breathed, that's not us. That that's, that's him, and that's who we are. We're running the race to win the prize, and he is our measuring stick. Like, Brian's great, but he's not my measuring stick. Yeah. You know, I, at times we may, you know, emulate Golf games or, or different things like that. Not my measuring stick.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. No, exactly. And again, and that's that if God's put you there though, again, the goal is for God's kingdom to be established and to grow, right? And and that's and and again, that's focusing back on the right mission, right? Is like again, these changes might be hard on me, right? And they probably are hard on me, but it's ultimately about Christ, right? And about that mission that He's put us on, right? And again, we are servants of Christ, and it has to go back to that. Right, and again, it, it, that that is why we're here. That's what our churches are there for, right? Is is to expand His kingdom, right? To put the spotlight on on God, not us, right? And and to move forward. And like I said, it's uh, you know change is tough, and I think we just know that. And and those these hard conversations around. And with that said, we know there's a lot more to think, and we had a couple of things to kind of talk about today that we didn't get to. And so uh, with that, but we are uh, have reached our time of how much we want to to put on an episode, which means that maybe we'll do something new in season two that we didn't do in season one. And that is a continuation into episode two. Cause again, I think this is a big con, uh, topic. I think one that we, uh, again, both of us have navigated, I know through our different times, our churches. So, um, so sh- I think we should come back to it. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Sounds good to me.
0: All right. So, Hey, thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you on episode two when we continue this conversation. On t- tough conversations, but right now, know that again, you are you are serving God. You are where you are because God put you there, and we're here to please Him. Acts twenty twenty eight. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts twenty twenty eight podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at ax2028podcast or send us an email at ax2028podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening and until next time we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you and together we can all live out Acts 20:28 20, as we serve in the established church.